And so, you know, this idea of agape, this God love is a sacrificial love, a humble love, a love that prefers the other. If that's not oozing out of me, then uh, my maturity is not very deep. And so, you know, the real question I'm wrestling with is, okay, well then how do I grow in a love like that? Yeah. And the truth is there are certain habits that can help your heart grow that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think there is a, a maturity gap and we've unclearly or, or wrongly defined maturity as a whole. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I sit down with an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is that you leave every single episode knowing that you, no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Justin Kendrick. Justin is the lead pastor of Vox Church, which he founded in 2011 with a small group of friends on the doorstep of Yale University. Since then, Vox has grown to multiple locations across New England, and the dream of Vox Church is to see the least churched region of the U.S. become the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. Justin's newest book, Bury Your Ordinary, Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Alive, walks you through seven different habits to just live the life that you were created to live. We dive into some of those things in today's conversation. We honestly ran the gamut of a lot of things, but this was such a powerful, powerful conversation and is one that I know you are going to leave feeling ready to bury your ordinary and live the life that you were created to live. But before I get to my conversation with Justin, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Now, you know how much I love Mama Suds. This is a brand and a business that I have long been a supporter of. And the head mama at Mama Suds, Michelle Smith, is absolutely a genius. And their latest product, the Extra Strength Oxygen Powder, is the jam. I'm telling you, here on the farm, we get dirty here, okay? My kids are playing outside. They're in the creek. They're in the chicken coop. They're, you know, playing with the turkeys. I'm in the garden or I'm in the yard mowing. And it's North Carolina in the summer. And so we get hot and sweaty and our clothes get dirty. So the extra strength oxygen powder is the bleach alternative that actually works. It is incredible. And as usual, there are multiple uses for the product. Not only is it a laundry booster and stain remover, but it is a incredible scouring agent for any non-porous surface. You can use the discount code MOLLY and get an extra 15% off at mamasuds.com. Now onto my conversation with Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you for being here. I am so honored to be here, Molly. Thanks for having me. Yes, this is going to be just such a great conversation. Uh, since I first learned about you a few months ago, I have just kind of done a deep dive and watched uh -oh. some of your sermons. Oh, no. And uh, But I've just been following <laughs> um, a lot of the work that you do. And uh, you just have such a really impactful and powerful story. And I'm really excited to just share it with the listeners yeah, today. Thanks. So let's Thank dive you. right in. Give us yeah. the Justin 101. So who oh, are you? Boy. What do you do? Yeah. How'd you get to where yeah. you are today? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, my name is Justin. I'm 38 years old. And uh, I'm a white male that lives in <laughs> the Northeast. But uh, Welcome, yeah, no, Justin. I, um, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in a uh, in a super typical home. And I was in every way a profoundly average human. You know, um, I wasn't the greatest kid in sports or in, you know, school or in anything. I mean, I was kind of just kind of right in the normal, right in the middle. And then as a teenager, actually my freshman year in high school, I had an encounter with God that changed my life. Mm. Uh, just profoundly redirected everything in my life. My parents had been divorced. Mom was on her second marriage. Things were messy at home. And uh, I just, you know, my, I can remember so clearly my friends on the basketball team saying to me, Justin, what happened to you? And me just looking at them and going, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. I, I, my, my dad dragged me to this, you know, urban inner city church where I heard a preacher talk about Jesus. And it was literally the first time I had ever heard about God's grace. And I, I was stunned. I was just stunned. And uh, something changed in the inside. And the whole kind of direction of my life shifted. Met my wife. I was 15. She was 16. She's 10 days older than me. And, uh, yeah, we just fell in love. We dated five and a half years. We married two weeks after I got out of college. 
And we started a band actually that for <laughs> eight years traveled all over the world and uh, playing rock and roll music, talking to people about Jesus. It was a wild ride. And in 2008, 2009, started dreaming about starting churches in the Northeast. And, you know, the Northeast is not known for its spiritual vibrancy, that's for sure. And yeah. so, um, you know, fewer people, you know, follow Jesus, attend church, read the Bible in this area than anywhere in America. And, um, it's a place where for us, we had always seen church as a profoundly boring and irrelevant part of the culture of New England. And so we started dreaming about what would it look like um, to start a church for our friends, for a church for people that thought and felt and lived a little bit more like we did and a little bit more connected to the society and the world. And and so, yeah, we started a church and that's Vox Church. That's actually, we turned 10 this September. So for us, that's a crazy landmark, but um started church with eight of our friends and watched as, uh, you know, something miraculous happened. And um, today, thousands of people attend. We have 10 locations all across New England, and uh, it's been a really special ride. A great family, an incredible family of people who, you know, most of which never grew up with spirituality, never grew up with yeah. faith, but now uh, have been impacted similarly to how I was as a teenager. And so, yeah, it's been the great privilege of my life to, to be a part of this church. And uh yeah, and just actually this year, I'm right. I wrote a book that is coming out actually now, and it's a lot of that journey, but it's also just a lot about what does it mean to grow spiritually, and uh, yeah, it's been a, a crazy journey all the way through. And I have to also say, I have I have four kids, so that's a big deal in our world. Yeah, my wife and I we started having kids early, so we have a 14 year old, which is terrifying. Um, and <laughs> Bless then, you, uh, a 12 year old. <laughs> Yeah. And a seven-year-old. So we have three boys and, you know, we just felt like it wasn't done. And so we just finalized an adoption with our daughter who mm. um, she's from the city that we grew up in, you know, right here in New Haven, Connecticut. But uh, mom was a prostitute. Dad was in jail and we were foster parents. And we had the privilege of having her come home with us at three days old. It took two years to finalize the adoption, but uh it's done now. So mm. we are now a family of four and we have a golden retriever. And so that's, uh, <laughs> that's the world at home uh, for the Kendricks. But uh, yeah, love and life and excited to see, you know, what's next and especially what happens with this book that we're working on. Yeah. I have to say at the beginning when you <laughs> said that you grew up uh, profoundly average, which uh, I yeah. love. My dear friend Liz Bohannon uh, wrote a book uh, a few years ago called Beginner's Pluck. And one of mm. her whole things is called Owning Your Average. And she's like, Good. look, we're all like, that's the whole thing with averages. Like, it's like, it's yep. a bell curve. Like, guess right. what? Most of us are probably going to be pretty Most average. Most of us are there. That's like, right. <laughs> so guess what? Like, you're probably pretty average. So it's okay. Um, if you don't, if you're not super special, guess what? Most people aren't. Um, oh, which so I, true. I love that. Um, so, true. so it's just reminded me of that when you were saying that. And also I have to ask, like, what was your band name? Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about average, you know, uh, I was really passionate about sports for a long time and I was a very average athlete. And then I started a band. Turns out I was a pretty average musician too. So, um, you know, we were good, but we were never great. And I was the lid for sure. The other guys were, were pretty talented. Me, I was okay. Um, but the band was called out of hiding oh, and nice. uh, yeah, you can, you can YouTube that and find some scary oh. videos, but, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, Out of Hiding was the name of the band. And uh, yeah, we had a good run. I mean, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. We raised two little kids in the back of a tour bus and uh, it was a wild ride, but I was always okay as a musician, <laughs> you know, uh, average as a musician for sure. Um, so. This reminds me, and this is a complete uh, digression for just a moment, but it'll be That's worth okay it. Um, so I was not a Christian growing up, but I did have friends who were Christian and I could sing. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think I've maybe told this story one time on this uh, podcast a long time ago, but I <laughs> had a brief stint in a Christian worship band in middle okay. school uh, called Doubting Thomas. <laughs> and, yes, and, let's go. And But this was like, okay, so I was in middle school, you know, mid to late 90s. And so yep. this was like peak... Uh, Lord, prepare me okay. to be a sanctuary. You guys can. All right. Some of y'all like we're jams. talking jams. That's right. Um, uh, here I am to worship. Here yeah. I, I mean, we're talking. Yeah, um, we were not great, but it's just funny, like looking back at that and being like, yeah, I had a brief stint. A Christian worship yeah, band. yeah. You, you were on the road for a little while. Yeah, there. I was yeah. on the road. Yeah, we Gigging. performed at some, some, some youth, youth events. You know 
You know what? I've been there. I've, yeah. I've been there. I've slept <laughs> in the back of uh, some Walmart parking lots. I'm not going to lie. And uh, gotten it done. But um, yes. Thankful to Jesus that the season is over. Right. I'm not going to lie. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's let's ignore the average. Uh, let's ignore the uh, brief stints in bands. Um, I'm just Fair kidding. Uh, but let's talk about today. And yes. you've released this book, which, by the way, this airs on your book birthday. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we have a small tradition. And by small tradition, I think we've done this on like four episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And this is now going to be like the fifth um, is we're going to sing happy birthday to your book because oh boy, it's a book birthday. And um, so that's what we're going to do right now. Okay. All right, Let's Justin, do we're doing this. Okay. I got to do it too. Oh, yes. we're doing it together. Okay. Yes. All right. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to your book. Happy birthday to very ordinary the book that we just finished. <laughs> happy happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. I think beautiful. I could yeah. I think uh you can honestly say that that is the first and probably only time you'll ever do that. You so. know, I am sure <laughs> of that. In fact, I'll I'm going to make sure that yeah. that's the only time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's good. hey, it's fun. Okay. <laughs> we have fun here. Um, so bury your ordinary. It comes out yeah. today. Also, your church's birthday is this month, which is coming up. Yeah. Amazing. 10 years old. Yeah. Double digits yep. entering those tween years. Um, I know. So where did the idea for this book come from? And what does it even mean yeah, to totally. bury your ordinary? Totally. So, um, so I, I was a follower of Jesus for uh, three or four years by the time it was graduation from high school age. And, uh, you know, here I am, this, you know, relatively new follower of Jesus, really felt this draw to give my life for ministry. And so I was checking out different ministry schools. I was actually at a Bible school in Chicago on the top of a double decker bus on a three day tour of the school. And while I'm sitting on the top of the double-decker bus, a couple of the kids that I had met on this tour of the school said, hey, we're going to the school. This is the best place ever. We're going to attend here. What about you, Justin? Are you going to come to this school and you know, go to this Bible school? And um, sitting on the top of that freezing cold double-decker bus in Chicago, I heard God. I heard him speak to me really clearly. And, you know, I know people get spooked out by that. It wasn't like an audible voice. The heavens didn't open. I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart that I had been growing and growing in hearing his voice, but it was crystal clear. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, go home and learn how to make disciples. Mm. And I remember that phrase being so surprising because I had read it in the Bible in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. But I had no idea what it meant. And it wasn't even close to, you know, something that was on my mind. And I remember looking at these guys in Chicago and saying to them, now guys, I'm not going to go to this school. I'm going to go home and I'm going to make disciples. And it was like, I might as well said, I'm going to make French fries. Like they were like, what, what are you doing? You know, like it just didn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense, but yeah. So I, I, I come home really by faith and I, I end up getting uh, a letter for a scholarship to a state school here in Connecticut and decide to go to that school. I got a degree in social work during that time and did an internship with my church at the same time. So I was, I was licensed uh, for ministry through that, inter- that four-year internship. But during that time, um, it's actually a crazy story. The first guy I met was this young guy named Kofi. And uh, Kofi was the star running back of the football team. He was uh, not a follower of Jesus, but his mom was. And so I started talking to Kofi about Jesus. And at the time, Kofi was high. He had been smoking weed that day and he was high as a kite, but he had this superstition that when he was high, God would talk to him through license plates. And I know that's kind of crazy, but you know, he was kind of crazy. And so here I am freshman in college going there to make disciples, talking to Kofi about Jesus. And, uh, we're standing next to my car and he's high. He had just been with his friends smoking and he looks down at my car and my license plate was his initials and then his football number. And he about fell over. Mm. And uh, it was a sign from him. God met him right where he was. I mean, God used the magi to to lead the why, <laughs> you know, to lead people to Jesus. So, uh, so he used Kofi smoking weed and my license plate to bring Kofi to Christ. And so he ended up opening his life to Jesus. We moved in as roommates. Uh, we led another guy to Christ that was the wide receiver of the football team, who actually lives in uh, North Carolina. But that's another story. And uh, and from there, we started this little hub of young guys and girls that were opening our lives to Christ. By the Mm. time I was a senior, 
in college, I was living with nine guys in a two bedroom apartment and we were doing life together following Jesus. It was like this little, you know, crazy thing. And so from there, my wife and I got married. We invited people to start living with us. Our best friends bought a house next to us. We had eight people in our house. They had nine in their house. Uh, within six years, we had 14 houses within three blocks that we didn't own, but people within our community who had just met Christ owned. And uh, we called it the cul-de-sac. We weren't a cult, but you know, that was uh, <laughs> yeah. in New England. This was weird yeah. to be sure. And so, um, but through all of that, I started experimenting with what does it mean to spiritually grow? Like, how does a person grow spiritually? It's a little ambiguous. You know, if you ask most Christians, you know, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? They say yes. And then you ask them, well, what is a disciple? They say, well, it means I'm a follower of Christ. And then you ask, okay, well, what's your plan for spiritual growth? And that's where things almost always, you know, the blank stare sets in. Yeah. People go, um, well, I read the Bible and I kind of go to church and I meet with my friend for coffee. And it's like, well, wait, you don't really have a plan. So like, you know, if you don't have a plan for eating healthy, you'll never eat healthy. If you don't have a plan for exercise, you'll never exercise. If you don't have a plan for spiritual growth, you really won't grow. Yeah. And so what I realized, and, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this idea, but what I realized is that spiritual growth is more ambiguous because it's growth in love. And, you know, Molly, how do you grow in love? You know, like spiritual growth is really the maturity of your love. It's not how many Bible verses, you know, but what I discovered was that there are habits that you can develop that will help your heart learn to love. Mm. And so this book is about seven discipleship habits that over the course of 20 years, I've experimented with that have helped thousands of people grow in their love for God, which helps us mature. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's not like an idea. This book wasn't born out of like, Hey, I've got this idea. Like this born this book was born out of really 20 plus years of experimentation, trial by fire practice, and then, uh, incredible results. And so that's, that's kind of where it came from. And this idea of ordinary, you know, we talked about average and ordinary and it's really just this idea of like, we kind of all have this ordinary version of spiritual growth that has just become sort of the American spirituality. Yeah. And I think if we're ever going to see anything significantly change in our lives, you know, um, the promises of God become real. Like he talks about peace and he talks about joy and a lot of Christians, those are just theories. They're not real. And if they're ever going to be real, uh, we probably need to bury some of those ordinary patterns and come up with some new ones. Oh, there's so much there that I want to unpack. But there's one thing that you said just really got my my wheels spinning because I think that this is a topic that we don't talk enough about in the church. And I think mm. especially today is desperately needed. Um, mm. And so going back to this idea of when you said that you heard the Holy Spirit with that still yeah. small voice say to go and make disciples. I think that we have done a poor job. And I say we as just like a collective, sure. you know, collectively, a collective we, a hasty generalization of yes, yes. we've done a poor job of explaining what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Because we yeah. can't make disciples if we are not disciples ourselves. Bingo. And I think that so often the unchurched or the people who are outside of the church look in and yeah. tend to see the very loud and aggressive minority of Come Christians on. who are anti this and anti right. that. And they know everything that this Christian stands against. And oh, right. this they're just a bunch of bigots and haters and all that. Instead of knowing what they stand for, they know what they stand against. Against. Yes. Right. And I yep. and I'm like, who I so often I want to just speak as like a fellow Christian to to some of those believers because I know that those people it's like they mean well. Yep. Yep. But the execution is just horrific. Terrible. It's terrible. terrible. And I want to go yeah. like, who do you think you're winning yeah. with that? Well, and I think the tragedy is that there's a, there's a misunderstanding of maturity. I think, yeah. I think a lot of times people think, well, maturity is I've been in church for 30 years. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm mature. Yep. It's like, yep. Mm, no, actually, you're an infant. You know, Correct. maturity is I know all these Bible verses. Therefore, I'm mature. And so a sobering reality is the depth of your love for mm. others and for God 
is the measure of your maturity. Mm. And so when you start there, it's like a nice swift kick in the mouth. You know, it's like, oh, maybe I'm not as mature as I think because people don't see me as a loving person, you know? And so if people don't see me as a loving person, then it's evidence that it hasn't gone very far. You know, if God is love. And so, you know, this idea of agape, this God love is a sacrificial love a humble love, a love that prefers the other. If that's not oozing out of me, then uh, my maturity is not very deep. And so, you know, the real question I'm wrestling with is, okay, well then how do I grow in a love like that? Yeah. And the truth is there are certain habits that can help your heart grow that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think there is a, a maturity gap and we've unclearly or, or wrongly defined maturity as a whole. Yeah. And I know that this is, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, and I, this is actually the first kind of pillar of the seven habits of yours. And that is yep. the habit of relationship. And that's yep. this idea of spending time with God alone yep. regularly, yep. Um, yep. which is so vital. But the other thing that I was just kind of thinking about is, yes, obviously, number one, always your time with God is, is so important. But right. also, I think being in relationship with others who we can't make disciples if we're just surrounding ourselves in an echo chamber. Um, And I read, and I cannot remember where I read this. So I apologize if I butcher this statistic, but it it was pretty recently that I read this, that like the vast majority of Christians within uh, two to three years of becoming believers are no longer in relationship with people who are not believers. Um, And they're obviously like, you're like, oh, yay, they're surrounding. Their-. But then I'm like, but also, if we're going to make disciples, like, aren't we to be in relationship with people who are outside of the church totally. and not in an echo chamber? Um, anyway, time. so c- kind of talk to us about that, about that relationship with God and ha- creating that habit and how that then can spawn. So good. Outside relationships. Yeah. So the first three habits Uh, I call them centering habits because I think the biggest uh, or the primary problem in the lives of most followers of Jesus is that Jesus isn't really, you remember that old song, Jesus at the center of it all. You know, he's not really at the center of it all for a lot of us, you know, like my work is at the center or my kids are at the center or my anxieties are at the center. And those are all real things. So the question becomes, how do I really keep Jesus at the center of it all? Right? Like, how do I really live my life? as if he were the center of the wheel and everything revolves around him. And so mm. the first way to do that is to make time for him, which I know sounds so simple. And every Christian that you talk to says, oh, absolutely. Yeah, time, time. And the first challenge that I give, and this is where things get mildly uncomfortable because every one of these challenges will get uncomfortable and they they grow out of grace, not out of work. So I, I want to preface with that. What I mean by that is, you know, uh, you don't do these habits so God likes you more. No, no, no. That's a misunderstanding right. of the gospel and of how you grow. You do these habits so that you can like God more, so that mm. you can learn to love. And so they're actually stretching your ability to love. But the first habit is to spend time alone with God. And and more specifically, it's to spend the first hour of your day alone with God. And that's where everybody goes, wait, what? Because like the idea of a quiet time is pretty normal in Christianity today. Uh, and that usually means, you know, I listen to a podcast on my drive to work or I pray for five minutes before the dog has to go out, you know, and mm. not that that's bad, but I'm talking about a radical reorganization of your morning routine. Yeah. And, and an hour is long enough to completely disrupt everything but short enough to actually be possible if you're willing for it to disrupt everything. And so that's the challenge that I give Christians is to say, spend an hour alone with God. And I think there's a lot to that. First, some people are like, are you kidding? I can't spend five minutes focused. How would I spend an hour? Well, in the book, I really give you some very, very practical things to do in that hour to grow your love for God and your ability to receive his love for you. Mm. And so that's huge. So in other words, this time alone with God becomes a time where he fills me with the truth of his love. But the second centering habit is this habit of every week I'm interacting with people who are far from God and I'm just talking about Jesus. And, and, you know, historically that's been tricky for Christians because, you know, they're like trying to win souls and it's like, okay, you can try to win souls. And if you come across like a salesman in our culture, 
you're getting shut down yep. immediately. 100%. And so, you know, that ain't working. So you got to stop trying to win souls. And instead you have to integrate into your life relationship with people who are far from God. And so that's the second habit is how do I, how do I share about Jesus on really a weekly basis with people who are far from God, but Christians have to actually force themselves to do that. Cause like you said, within two or three years, they live in an echo chamber. And so one of the most challenging things for a follower of Jesus is how do I intentionally surround myself with people who, you know, are far from God. And so those two habits kind of work together where I'm experiencing God's love in time alone with him, but then I'm growing my love for others in God by sharing about him. So those are the first two uh, kind of dynamic habits. I call the second one, the habit of radiance. And, um, I'm telling you, if we got every Christian to do those two things, well, yeah. there's seven habits, but if we got them to do those two things, your life would be changed forever. Share your faith with somebody every week and spend an hour every morning alone with God. Those two will completely jack up your life. They really will. And <laughs> it's, I became a Christian um, when I was 25 and mm. I, you know, in the first few years, like I got super involved in church and I mean, I'd be like volunteered. I was on the worship team. It was not yeah, doubting yeah. Thomas. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I got involved in prison ministry. I went wow. on mission trips. Like I was just like on fire for the Lord. But then I think back to those times where I was r doing like little devotionals, but I was not spending active time reading and really trying to to understand the Bible. Um, so sure. I would do devotionals. I would open up my Bible app and do some of the, you know, the, the plans on there, but mm -hmm. I, it was nothing. It was very surface level, which is okay. I mean, you have to start somewhere, but it wasn't until the, until 2018, which was, you know, it's amazing how God just works these things out where that was the first time that I decided I was like, okay, January 1st, I'm sitting down, I'm reading through the Bible in a year. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I did it. But during that time, I also happened to go through some of the most difficult things in my life. Personally, mm. we, my husband and I, we lost two babies back to back wow. um, uh, in the second trimester of pregnancy. Uh, I mean, just life kind of threw us for a loop. Yeah. Um, and it was all while, and here I am like reading Job and like, right, right, right. you know, like going through just feeling like Job. But I will say that like that creating that habit of spending time every morning reading God's word. And that's become, I've now done it every year since then. And I'm on my four, fourth trip through, what year is this? 2022? I don't even know. No one knows. What no year one knows what on. year it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm now on my yeah fourth trip through the Bible. And it has, it's been such a transformational thing for me because like you said, like it, you can't grow in relationship with somebody if you're not spending time with them. Totally. So like, if I'm not hanging out with a friend or if my husband and I aren't dating each other, then what do we do? We start to go in different directions. So if you're not yeah. spending time reading God's love letter to you, That's aka right. the Bible, you're going to start to drift away from There's it. No doubt. And I, I think I think this last year of COVID has exaggerated that for people, you know, and and I think that there is this sense. I know somebody literally right now is listening to this and they feel far away from God. Yeah. And 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 I think the important thing to realize is that he's not far away from you. Mm -hmm. That he's actually standing arms wide open inviting you yeah. into a dynamic relationship. But those who find God find time. You have to find time for God. And it's yeah. just like any other relationship in your life. And there are going to be awkward moments. They're going to be boring moments. There are going to be times where you pray and it feels like nothing's happening. Yep. But then there's also going to be vibrant moments, moments where he speaks to you, moments where the lights turn on and he feels so close. And so you have to fight through. I think of it like a baseball game. You know, there are moments I don't like baseball, but there's a moment within a baseball <laughs> game that's just super boring. Like the the pitcher standing on the mound and nothing's happening. Like, would somebody please do something right now? And that's how it feels sometimes when you're trying to pray and trying to read the Bible. But then there's these explosive moments where yeah. there's a shot out to center field and he's sliding into second and and you know everything is happening and it's dynamic. And and so if you want to really know this God. You've got to make space and time for him. And his goal in it all is to stretch and grow and widen your heart. Mm -hmm. And so these times of being alone, and like you said, reading the Bible and wrestling with these weird passages and praying prayers that you're not even sure if you're praying them right, all of that 
stretches and widens your heart mm. and teaches you that he loves you. Yeah. And from that place of identity, now everything else in my life can flow. And mm. so uh, yeah. this really is the first centering habit. And I really challenge people like dedicate an hour. It will mess up your schedule. It will disrupt your workout routine. It will. And, and you don't have to start there. If you've never had any alone time with God, start with 15 minutes, but then grow that time to the point where it really is jacking up your life. And, and when you do, you'll find that God really does begin to meet you in a profound way. Mm, man, that's so good. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's such a it's a habit that like like you said it is hard to create sure. but when once you do you realize that it changes everything. Um really and I does. love that you said like it just it jacks up your life. Like when it's it it, but in the best way and yes. um and when you were saying that I think the the last year and and covid and all yeah. of the things have just magnified so many things that were bubbling beneath the surface. And it's broken my heart because I've seen some dear friends in the last year or two, like walk away from the church. I know. And uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, she and her husband pastor a church here in uh, the Durham area, um, Sharon uh, Hottie Miller and Ike Miller, they pastor a church called Bright City. And we were having this conversation. Um, they were over for dinner a few, uh, a few months ago. And we were talking about how like, this has pruned the church and pruning is, I mean, I live on a farm. Uh, I've had a garden for a few years. Pruning is good, um, yep. but it is also really scary and really hard. Yeah. Um, every time I prune, I am afraid that I am going to kill the plant. The plant. Yeah. I'm uh, terrified. And like, I like double checking. I'm like reading. I'm like, okay, this is how much I'm supposed to prune. And I'm just terrified that I'm going to kill this plant. And inevitably, I never do, but I don't yeah. know why every year I'm terrified to prune. That's so good. And um, But yet, when it comes back, the flourishing and the fruit that comes from that pruning is so, so, so good. And so I feel like that's what we are seeing is like, we've been pruning the church, but... I think when we get to and will we get to the other side of this or like whatever right. nebulous term that really is like right, right. Uh, when we get to the other side of this, what is that fruit going to look like? But by in this time, pruning ourselves and creating these habits of relationship and sharing our faith. Um, mm -hmm. We then get to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, right. We can live free from all of these things in our lives that create these strongholds against us. Um, yep. And oh gosh, it's so it's so 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 important, but so difficult. I'll ask like as you created these habits in your own life, and we won't yeah. go through all seven of them because we could probably do an hour podcast episode on each one. Um, sure. So you're just going to have to get the book, guys. Okay. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I'm shamelessly just tell you to go get Bury Your Ordinary by Justin Kendrick. Go on. Um, hey, Alexa. Uh, there you go. Buy she'll find it this for you. book. Yeah. Yeah. She'll do it for you. I just set off all of your Alexas if you're listening. Yeah. So as you were creating these things, was there one habit in particular that maybe was the most difficult for you? Um, and what did that look like as you began to work through that? Oh, such a good question. Yeah. So, so these seven habits definitely evolved out of trial and error, you know, as I was trying to grow my own love for God and I'm, I'm in that process now and help others grow in their love for God. Uh, you know, I'm looking through the Bible and you know, you live on a farm, so this makes sense, right? So when God says to, you know, in the beginning of the scriptures, you know, be fruitful and multiply, uh, you notice he doesn't give any instruction about like how to herd cattle or how to yeah. plant corn or how to, he doesn't do anything. He just gives them all the raw materials and then expects humanity to go figure out the systems, right? Yep. And that's how I kind of see this. It's one system to help your heart grow. Like God gave us all these tools, but now organizing them, putting them in a structure, and then intentionally doing them actually, you know, brings a harvest. It actually yeah. brings fruit. So I think for me, probably the one that was most counterintuitive and not natural was habit six. I call this the it's one of two, what I call long haul habits, habits that help you stay in the game over the long haul. And, uh, it's the habit of a weekly Sabbath. Mm. And for me, uh, that was, you know, I mean, I'm from the Northeast, you know, we're right yeah. between New York city and Boston. Everybody walks, talks, drives, moves fast. That's how we do things. Yep. We do everything fast. And, uh, 
And taking a a full 24-hour period to pause, pray, and play was the most unnatural thing for me. And what what it did is it forced me to realize that as a human being, sounds pretty obvious, I have limits. You know, we hear so much about limitless, you know, like, you you know, you, the potential is limitless and everything else. But the reality is like God created human beings with limits, natural human limits. And when I fight against those limits, I end up going crazy. When I lean into those limits, yeah. I end up thriving. Mm. And so um, one of the ways that, you know, God really challenged me and I share this story in the book with this habit, it's the habit of a weekly Sabbath. And that's different than a day off. You don't have to get into all the details now, but really understanding the cadence of Sabbath and why it's so important for your soul and why that discipline is actually a command by God. You know, like yep. it's so interesting in our times, Christians seem to think, you know, Hey, the 10 commandments have been reduced to nine. You know, it's like, Hey, we still don't murder. We still don't lie. We still don't covet. We still don't cheat but we don't really have to do the Sabbath thing. Yep. And it's like, Hey, did you know it made the top 10? Like it top did, 10. it made the, it made the top 10. Pretty list. important. And it's pretty significant. <laughs> and I think the vast majority of Christians have no theology of Sabbath. Mm. In other words, they, they don't understand like, why is this critical to my spiritual growth? And it's that same principle of, of farming. Like if you're out there, you know, just literally pulling all the crops off the plant every day, uh, you're going to, it's, there's seasons for harvest and you can't harvest every second of the day. Sometimes you have to be planting. Sometimes you have to let the ground go fallow, right? So all these things, there's a cadence. God created that same cadence in our own physical, mental, and emotional selves. And so um, that habit of Sabbath for me was the most difficult. Now I love it. I actually love my Sabbath. And uh, it does look a little different for me. It's not like I'm sitting there meditating for, you know, I have four kids and a puppy yeah. so, uh, and an amazing <laughs> wife. So, you know, it's a little different for me in the sense of like, it's not like a total, like, you know, spiritual, you know, uh, walk in the clouds, but, but yeah, that, that one, I think for me, habit six was probably the most counterintuitive, but what I found about all these habits is you never arrive. It's not like, oh, good. I got those seven habits down. Now I'm the man like, no, for every one of them, like it's a constant evolution within the heart. And so like you might have a 24 hour period that you rest, but are you very intentional about what it means to engage God during that time? Or are you disciplined in shutting your phone off and not checking social media? Or are you really feasting on his acceptance of you in Christ? So there's always another level of growth in every one of these habits really for the rest of our lives. And that's kind of the secret of it is they, they never end. They always go to the next level. Man, I'm so glad you said that because that is, this is incredibly timely because uh, this year, uh, 2021, um, and especially since we moved to the farm, it was a little harder before we moved here just because renovating a farmhouse and trying to move and all the things, it was a lot. Um, we were like, let's wait till we move before we try to implement this. But my husband and I have been really intentional about implementing a Sabbath routine wow. um, with our awesome. kids. And that's been like our focus this year is really getting into that habit of what does Sabbath look like for us? And we okay. are both, we struggle with that too. And um, my husband, he would say this too. Like my husband is the kind of person like he has to accomplish. Like he is an accomplisher. Um, I saw a meme the other day that was like, nobody, you know, nothing. And then like uh, dad's at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And it's like doing yeah. all of the Like that is my husband. Like he just can't, he doesn't rest well. Um, he doesn't shut off well. And I don't either, but I, I can do it a little easy, better than he can. And so, but this is something we were like, okay, we really feel like we need to implement this in our lives. And it's been a challenge, but it's been such a gift. And yeah, I was actually, I had um, a, a friend, uh, Pastor Daniel Grothy. If you, if you don't know him, he's, you should, you would really like mm. him. Um, he wrote a book last year called Chasing Wisdom. Um, and it was basically his uh, kind of 10-year journey of his friendship with Eugene Peterson, guy who, mm. you know, wrote the message. And, but one of the things he talks about there is, uh, is Eugene's habit of Sabbath. And how we as a culture have glorified this idea of vacations and how vacation is when we can rest. And we are going to look forward to our next vacation and we're going to just be burnt out until we go on vacation. And Daniel was talking about how like, he's like, do you see anybody in the Bible like going on vacation? Like, (laughs) it's like, but I mean, maybe it's just, maybe they just didn't write it in the Bible, but maybe also 
that they were so committed to the Sabbath that they didn't need a vacation because yeah. every week they looked forward to the Sabbath. And so right. that really helped shift my perspective on this because I'm like, what if I create a habit of Sabbath that every week it's almost like I'm like, oh, all right, Sabbath's That's coming it. up, Sabbath's coming up, you know, instead of like, ooh, going on a vacation in four months. Let me just right. burn the candle at both ends till then. Man, well, and it that doesn't, is so It doesn't good. work. You yeah. know, like, yep. like how many of us have been on vacation and come home more tired? More tired. You know, like how many of us have been like, oh, I'm just waiting for that trip to Mexico and you get back and you're, you know, overwhelmed and you can't rest because you can't slow down or disengage on that yep. week trip. And you hear yeah, like, I need a vacation like, from my vacation. Totally. People I mean, say that all the time. And it's like, well, there's God's strategy. There's our strategy. And then, you know, how long are we just going to perpetuate the problem mm. by ignoring his, you know? Mm. And so that's huge. I mean, honestly, the steps you're taking with Sabbath are pretty unprecedented. You know, you talk to the majority of followers of Jesus and there really is no grid mm. for Sabbath. But what you'll find is as soon as you try it, it's harder for the heart than we think, you yeah. know? And that's, yeah, like to me, it's like on my Sabbath, I am diligent trying to not mow the lawn and not pay the bills and not do the house chores and not, you know, do the honeydew list because it's like, I just turned my Sabbath into a day off and a work day right. for home. And it's like, that's not the essence of, mm. of what God was after. And so, but that is my natural propensity, yeah. you know? And so um, learning to like really receive the day mm. um, is a discipline that, that actually, again, grows your love. It takes the truth that you're a son or a daughter in Christ and you're not earning your position through your obedience, but you're receiving your position through Christ's obedience. It takes the truth of the gospel and it massages it into the soul on a weekly mm. basis. Man. And so that's the secret of Sabbath is that I'm loved, not because of what I do, but because of what's been done for me. And so that truth takes a lifetime to get into the heart, but it the does. Sabbath is one of God's tools to get it in us. And as we practice it, it becomes real. Yes. And then it's like, a, it's a circle. It's a circle. What movie is that from? It's a circle. It's a, it's a circle. It's a circle. Ding. Um, okay. Sorry. I don't, there, it's an Adam Sandler movie and Kevin James, <laughs> uh, whatever it is. Okay. Anyway, but it, it becomes this cycle of you then begin to create those habits of Sabbath and all those kinds of things. And then, yep. oh, guess what? It goes back to teaching you how to be a disciple. And then it teaches you Come how on. to create disciples and be in relationship and share your faith. And because when the world outside of the church can start to know what Christians are for rather than what they are against and what, so guess good. what we are for? We are for each other. We are for love. We are yep. for rest. We are for yep. laying it all down yep. because Christ did it for us. And that is what differentiates us from the rest of creation. <laughs> like yeah. it's just yeah. no, for real. It, we don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We were not yes. created to do that. Yeah. And when we can create these habits, it just oh man, it changes everything. Man, we are having church on this podcast today, I'm Justin. You, it teaches your heart. The, yes. I mean, the secret, the secret of. Uh, really of Christianity is this idea of grace, right? Yes. Like the the whole culture, it doesn't matter what religion you run to or what worldview or world system you operate from. No one has grace. It's like this diamond mm -hmm. that uh, only is found in Jesus. And, and this idea of grace is that you are, you know, profoundly more broken than you realized. Yeah. And yet at the exact same time, far more loved than you ever thought possible. And so this truth that God deeply loves you, and this acknowledgement of your brokenness brings you to a place where you receive a free gift. And from that free gift, your heart is changed. It's that miracle of change yeah. of heart where now I actually, I don't obey God to be accepted. I am fully accepted. And that makes me want to Dude. obey God. Yes. And it's that change that now leads to, okay, how do I grow that deep love I have for him? Boom. You start using these habits and the whole idea behind these habits is like, you know, you do them with a friend. All of these are done in the context of community. And the last habit is to actually establish that circle and help others grow that circle of discipleship and help others grow. And so the whole idea is like, you know, now we have a plan. And I think for a lot of Christians, like 
there just, there is literally no plan. The plan is like show up at church. It's like, well, how's that going for you? You know, first of all, half the people aren't showing up anyways, because it's just a pain to get the kids and the blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, like, but the reality is it's like, it's not producing a deeper love, you know? And so the whole idea behind this book is like, just work the plan and see what happens. You know, it's kind of like, if you just give it six months, if you give it a year, it's going to start to what you're going to realize is uh, you love things less. You love God more. Yeah. You love the people closest to you. You love your enemies. And, you know, all of a sudden your heart starts to expand mm. and, uh, and you get, you get in that process where you're actually becoming more like Jesus. Mm. Man, Justin, that is good. That is so good. Goodness. I could clearly, we should, you're gonna have to come back on the podcast. <laughs> Um, at some point, because this is just, there's so much here that I want to get to. Um, but sadly we are getting towards the end of the show. Um, but I know, right. Uh, so again, I'm going to shamelessly tell people for you go buy this book, guys, go, 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 go buy this book, bury your ordinary Mm -hmm. by Justin Kendrick. And I will make sure that we have all of the links to uh, how to get the book and Fox Church and all the things in the show notes that we always provide. I'm going to take a quick moment from my conversation with Justin to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Demas. And I love Demas so much that I actually have the founder, Julie Billingham, here with me to share a little bit more about why this ethical brand is so incredible. Julie? Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to partner with you and to be a part of this community that you've built. I mean, Demay is a sustainable footwear and fashion brand, and we have the steadfast commitment to creating authentic fashion and fashion accessories. And it's really our great honor to produce things that matter. And our Haitian craftsmen and women really take such pride in each handbag we make, each pair of sandals that we assemble. And um, we just love what we do so much. And we are we're proud to craft, you know? And so thanks for having us. Absolutely. And for those of you who want to check out Demet, you can do so online at dot com, And you can use the promo code Molly and that will get you a 15% off your purchase. Now back to my conversation with Justin. Justin, before we go, this is yes. my listeners, one of their favorite parts of the show. This is where I ask just some fun, get to know you questions. Let's do it. So let's do it. All right. Question number one. We just had the Olympics by the time this airs. Olympics are over. Um, so I have to ask if you could win a medal for any sport, real or fake, oh, wow. what would it be? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Like I told you, I'm kind of a failed athlete. So, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, in my mind, I am really good at basketball. I know that may not be the creative uh, answer, but it really is like the sport I enjoy most. Yeah. And so uh, I would want to be on the Olympic basketball team and win. That's not going to happen. And I have to come to terms with that, you know, because I really had high goals and um, I failed. I know. And it's all right. I can hardly touch the net. And so, you know, um, (laughs) it's just not in the cards. You you know, know, you could be like Muggsy Bogues. You know, Muggsy Bogues was like, what, 5'4"? Something like that. I could, but I'm not. That's the problem. <laughs> like, I wish I was, but yeah, I do. I do. You know, I know that's kind of like not a super. Like, I know I want to say bobsledding or something like that, but but I would really love to actually be on the basketball team. Yeah. Uh, but probably like high school, I would just sit on the bench anyways. So yeah. um, I got to come to terms with that. You know? Love it, love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. What? Who's your team? Who's your like? Yeah. So are you NBA uh, or college fan? Bigger? Yeah, I'm an NBA fan, okay. but you know, I I um I grew up you know, a kid in the nineties. So obviously like Michael Jordan was it, you know, you really didn't have a choice in the nineties. It was Go like, Tar hey. Heels. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So yeah, you know, you kind of like whatever team Jordan was on, but yeah. um, now we live not too far from the Celtics. And so uh, me and my boys go to Celtics games every year. That's and awesome. So we're Celtics fans now. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So by the time this airs, I will have just returned from a bucket list trip to Hawaii. Oh, Um, very fun. I'm really excited. We are going uh, in August, but again, when this airs, I'm already back. Um, So what was the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh gosh. Yeah, that's easy. So uh, like I said, we have four kids. So my wife and I, every year we leave in February, it's pretty chilly and not awesome in Connecticut in February. And so every year we leave in February uh, for Mexico. And we oh, nice. dump our kids with anyone that is willing and, uh, and just get out of Dodge for, for a week. And it is 
awesome. That's it awesome. Is, it is literally like the highlight. We love it. We do practice a Sabbath, so we're not trashed when we get into our uh, vacation. Yeah. But it's just time for us to dream and talk and do other marital things. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's just the best time of the year. We have such a good time. Yeah. That's well, that, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation for another day, but just the importance of as a married couple getting away from oh. the children from everything leave yeah, them with someone different than a sabbath it's just like you need to some oh, I, I it's remember for, it's for friendship yeah it's yeah. that deep friendship that is constantly growing and yep. it's awesome yeah date your spouse man date your spouse yeah. um okay what is something that i would never guess about you <sighs> something you would never guess about me i don't know i mean i really like shoes <laughs> you're a shoe guy i am you know you're i fought it for guy. a long time and I'm not about to like spend millions of dollars on shoes. Yeah, you're so not going to. Are you going to be on preachers and sneakers? <laughs> Listen, if they put me on it, they're going to be like, wait a minute. Those are $45 shoes. What a lame, you know, you know what I mean? Like I don't have expensive sneakers, but, uh, but I do like them. Yeah. And so like, you know, it's funny because it's like, it's just like, it's the disease is spreading. Now my boys like sneakers, oh, you know? And so now yeah. they're all like, dad, let me get another pair. I'm like, you got three pairs of shoes. What do you need another pair for? And <laughs> like, dad, come on, you've got like 30 pairs. Why do I, you know, it's like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. so yeah. Um, I do. I like, I like shoes. No, that's cool. I like it. I do. I like it. Yeah. I like your honesty. I like sure. your honesty. It's good. Um, okay, Justin. And then this is my last question. This is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we have a large organization that, that we run. Um, our church is, uh, you know, in 10 different cities across New England. And um, I think for us, you know, without question, running this organization on purpose is making sure that every initiative and every dollar is going to something bigger than yourself. Mm. It's going to something that matters when this life is over. And so for us, you know, that's really introducing people to the grace of God found in Jesus. And so obviously that's the point of our organization, but you know, this life is such a breath and a vapor and a veil, and it is over before we even realize. And so I think for us, if you're not leveraging your life for a bigger purpose, uh, then it's a wasted life. Mm. And so that's, I've given my whole life for that. Mm. So good. Justin, this has been an absolute honor um, and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your heart and uh, for how you so unashamedly make disciples throughout the nations. And uh, just yeah. thank you for the, the work. Thank you for this book. And thank you for being here. Oh, it's my joy. I really appreciate it, Molly. Thanks. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, it is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>